You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the first pick in the NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select 10,000 layups. 10,000. 10,000 layups. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Layups Podcast. I'm Kyle Radke, and I'm here with my good friend Julian Andrews. Julian, how are you? As we were just discussing, just enjoying the balmy, balmy weather, um, being outside. Um, yeah, you know, I'm fine. I'm just like sweating in my own house, which is is not what you want, but eh, no. we'll, we'll live. Yeah, it feels like it, there's it would, some... It would not be Minnesota if we weren't complaining about the weather. I was going to say, like it's year. something, <laughs> if you're like if you're over uh, like 26 or 27 and you're complaining about the weather in Minnesota, you're an adult. That's... And you you get crabby about certain things that mm-hmm. you shouldn't get crabby about. Complain about your neighbors. Um, Guess yeah, that's all. First year of adulthood. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Thanks. you. You're here. You finally made it. Um, you can only be positive in this life for for so long. Um, we are joined by a, a very special guest from the Pioneer Press, Jace Frederick. He's been on before. Jace, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm a little offended. I wasn't told about the hat memo ahead of time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm the only yeah. person on this podcast without a hat on. Well. I don't feel good about that. As an audio medium, <laughs> very important how you dress. It, it is. I might be pulling the video, so. Yeah, now we're, I'm actually, we're going to pull the video now, just just for this. <laughs> just for that clip. Yeah. Uh, we also want to thank our good friends over at DraftKings. Um, go check out uh, the the promos. Use the code TBPN when you sign up. Um, they've been a longtime sponsor, and we're happy to have them. Hopefully, they're happy to have us. They haven't said anything. Um, for, some re- for some reason, I think they have other shows that they probably care about just a tiny bit more than the 10,000 Lamps podcast. Yeah. You guys are just a tiny little line on the on the item sheet that they just kind of forget about. You know, it's like, I don't. And it's better that way. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I have to send emails of our reads and um, I've never not that not that I need an email back ever. But like, I don't think they're I don't think they care. They're just going to email you out of the blue one day and just be like really nice job with that one. Kyle. That, yeah. Yeah. Like, really oh, great, great read at the 16 second mark. That was great. You got all the states in. Um, hey, hey, we actually like this one. 
Hey. Yeah, that, <laughs> wow, that was a good one. I said 12, 12 listeners last week. Wow. Just the most passive. You did really well this time, Kyle. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This was actually good. Oh, actually. What do you mean, actually? Um, all right, Jace. Um, we're recording this on a Monday. If you're listening to it, hopefully it'll be a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, the draft is on Thursday. Um, I well, I was talking last week. Obviously, when I worked for the team and worked in the league, I paid more attention to the draft and the players. And I, I kind of like one through 40. I kind of knew who everyone was or whatever, man, this year, I do not know that. Um, that's why you're here. Uh, Oh, good. Who, yeah. Cause you <laughs> yeah, have to know every player. Well, well, yeah. So Jay, start naming. Cause but, yeah. Name not every, get you one through 40. Yeah. Give me your 40 player power rankings um, with a sentence on each. No, I, I guess what I want to talk about is, so the wolves have the 19th pick. They have two second round picks. Um, Tim Connolly, it's his first draft, kind of got off to a late start for scouting, obviously, who's scouting for Denver, too, and they're kind of in a similar uh, draft position. But not necessarily talking about player, but talking about, like, what the Wolves could do. Do you get a sense of, like, um, what what Tim Connolly's strategy going into the draft is? Or I, mean, I, I, I ask this question knowing, like, it's a bunch of bullshit because I know, like, every press conference, it's like, we could trade back, we could trade up, we could make our pick, we could... Make a pick that comes overseas. Like Kyle, all these we're going to come out of this draft, and we're going to have improved this team. Right. That's like that. Ideally, it doesn't always work that way, but <laughs> ideally, uh, I, I that's my favorite quote from I think Gerson Rosas like two years ago. He's like, "We mm-hmm. could do this. We could do that." I'm like, "Now you're just saying everything. Like you're saying every possibility. Like you could miss the pick. I don't know." Um, but do you, do you get a sense of like what what Tim Conley and his staff are are, are maybe looking for at, at 19 or um, whatnot? Not really. Um, I, I really do think that in terms of Tim Connolly, we're kind of flying blind just in terms of what, you know, maybe like in smaller conversations, you have little small tidbits of what he thinks of guys currently on the roster and like what he thinks are areas of need and whatnot. Um, but definitely had more of an idea when Sachin Gupta was running things and you had more time to talk to him. And Tim Connolly just really feels like flying blind. Like, what do you, what, how does he view this? What does he think are like the biggest weaknesses that need to be addressed right now? What does he think is something maybe they can tackle down the line? And even the, uh, even the totally worthless press conference, we're recording this on Monday. That's going to be Tuesday. Uh, so we haven't even had the chance to hear all those, all of those, uh, you know, bland statements that mean absolutely nothing. So not really, but I do think there's a number of ways they could go with it. Um, I do know, like it's come up in other conversations that he's had in interviews that I, center is something that they could look at this off season in general, the athletic reported today that, you know, they'd sniffed around Clint Capella. I don't know how much there is to that, but I definitely think like you can just look at their needs right now and say, okay, playmaker, they could use another playmaker. That's something they sniffed for at the trade deadline. Um, didn't come to fruition on it, but it doesn't have to be a point guard, but somebody who can maybe break down a defense. And then you've got power forward. Obviously that's a big area of concern. Jared Vanderbilt. It's probably more like a 20 minute a game guy at his peak. Um, best utilizing him anyway. Jane McDaniel's probably not a power forward. And then center, yeah. It's, I mean, they could use a backup center. Nas Reed's great in some matchups, horrible in others. Um, and then if they do want to move Carl Anthony Towns down to power forward more, well, then you'd probably like to have an upgrade at center too. So I think those are the three big areas. Now, what's the best way to attack that? Um, and do you maybe want to just trade the pick in general? Maybe. Uh, but I do think that there are guys at 19 who can kind of fulfill any of those holes to at least some degree. Go back to what you said before. Um, you, you knew you you don't have a, as good of idea of what uh, Conley would do compared to somebody like Sasha and Gupta. Now, let's say Gupta was running this draft. What would you expect 
obviously you're not like you don't know the player, but what would right. what would be the 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 strategy and the process going into it? I think there they would look at maybe the deficiency in size. Um, but I think that maybe could come via the power forward. And I do also think that it would have been really interesting to see what they did at point guard, uh, just in the way that things were like, I think they were pretty intrigued by what Jordan McLaughlin did. So I, I don't know if they would have looked to upgrade point guard unless they're training D'Angelo Russell. And then it would have been interesting to see what kind of point guard they got. If it was maybe like a higher version of Jordan McLaughlin, uh, those types of things that you kind mm-hmm. of get and hear, um, as time goes on with the front office, but how does Tim Connolly view any of this? I have no idea. So that's, that's kind of the interesting thing as you come into a new regime. And I think we're all really interested to see what happens Thursday night um, with what Connolly maybe get a better sense of how he views players on this roster and what he thinks needs to be addressed. What do you, what do you sense is like the relationship? Like how much is Connolly leaning on Gupta right now as like the guy who's been, around and knows the roster more is, is he, is, do you think Connolly's coming in with his own ideas? Is he really bringing from Denver? Or do you get a sense that Gupta's is going to have a lot of influence over this draft process? I think Tim Connolly's somebody who everybody in the room has a pretty big say. Um, mm-hmm. And Sachin Gupta is still officially the number two and I'm sure he'll lean on him pretty heavily for a lot of things. But I do also know like, like Tim Connolly, this is kind of his bread and butter. He loves scouting. Um, and while while in Denver, while in Denver, uh, mic over. <laughs> Julian gets really excited when you talk about scouting. I love scouting oh, yeah. too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, I was about to throw something myself. Uh, it's it is maybe like in Denver. I think Connolly had like all his people in place, and you can kind of let things flow and and trust people to do their jobs. And not to say he won't do that here, but when you come in fresh and not everything's in place and like not all the operations are as smooth, you probably do a little bit more yourself. Yeah, that's um, true. Looking at guys uh, and and maybe you know taking everybody's input and taking maybe everybody's input on what the roster actually looks like right now. I mean, who's on here and what they think of those players. But I do think that when it comes to like okay, evaluating guys at nineteen, if it's as simple as that, I think Connolly might maybe lean on his own expertise in that a little bit more than he would have in past years. Um, just because this is what he's good at. And if you're getting started with a new thing, you might as well trust your gut maybe on something like this. You talked about, um, like the, the size, like, obviously I think like, a, like in the, in the playoffs, the backup center position kind of got exposed. Um, and there's been plenty of talk about moving cat to power forward. Um, which I think has probably been something that we've talked about for years. Like yeah. when he gets his ass kicked by like big centers all the time. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't play there because. And, um, and, and if you put like a shooting guard on him, that'll kick his ass too. That, yeah. Either, so that, either way. It's, it's, it's a, a fine roll that where, yeah, where, yeah. Where it grooves in really nicely. But I, I do want to talk about that because I, I think we've all said, well, yeah, he would do better if he had a, uh, you know, a, a traditional center next to him. So he doesn't have to do that dirty work and he can kind of be free to do other stuff. But now it seems like Conley's actually going to do that maybe. And then, you know, the rumor of the Capella thing came in today and who knows if that's, uh, you know, the, the wolves are actually interested or like somebody mentioned it once. And then, right. Like it's like, well, Timberwolves talked about this one time. Um, but, but I do want to talk about that. Like, do you, do you think that he would move to, to power forward? And like, if so, what, what type of, what, what's the type of center that needs to play along Carl for him to be like, not saying he needs to be successful, but like optimize everything about his game. That's tough. Um, frankly, I don't know. I don't know if I love the idea of Carl Peter Towns being a full-time power forward, uh, but 
I guess if you're going to make that movie, you might as well go big. You might as well go with like the big rim protecting defensive anchor center, because I'm not sure why else you're really doing it. Uh, take some of that rebounding pressure off towns, just improve your size in that sense. Uh, something like that is what I would go with, yeah. but I'm still not a big believer in it. Frankly, I think like the Taj Gibson, like power forward where they're versatile enough to play a little bit on the perimeter and stick with guys on switches and whatnot. But they can also be the guy who handles the big on a given night where it's clearly not a good matchup for Towns. I like that player who is maybe a pseudo center, but can do a lot of things a power forward can do. I like them a lot better than maybe like the tree trunk. Okay, here's our base. Here's our center. And Cat's going to be the four, even if that means chasing somebody around all night on the wing. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I was just thinking of. And I, I know like two minutes ago, I just said, well, that seems obvious. But um, right, because like in today's NBA, too, it's like Taj was like that perfect guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything that he didn't really care about. Um, you know, he'd be in the paint getting, you know, 10 to 12 rebounds a night. Um, but because I, I think, right, like we just watched the the playoffs and a lot of lineups it was like Draymond Green at the four and he's a little different. But um, like Otto Porter Jr. and like you have Tatum playing the four. Um, obviously there's guys like Giannis and it just seems like you're getting more traditional, like guys that would have been a shooting guard or small forward 10 years ago are now like power forwards on, on, on teams, like this, a six, seven wing that, like that Covington was the four. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do actually agree with you there. Cause then it's like defensively, what do you do? You can't have Carl guard that guy or you can, but then you have to have you, you, like, it's like you won't have Capella play, um, that is interesting. Another thing about the Capella thing is like, so he's due $17 million next year and 18 million the year after that. It's like you, so you have to match up those salaries and you, you think there's a world in which you do. Um, I think that like the two obvious trades and if the trade happens, it probably won't be either of these just to prove. prove it never money. is. It never yeah, is right? the obvious trade that you <laughs> right? winds up. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, Beasley and another player for Capella and like maybe there's picks involved or it's like Delo's expiring. And then it's like, you know, Gallinari and Capella for uh Delo, which I don't like, I think we're so desperate to get rid of Delo that I don't think that would be a very good trade, but um, yeah, I don't know. You just have to, to, to move things around. Um, speaking of Delo, uh, what, like, give me a percentage on what, like, will he be on the Timberwolves when, when training camp opens? I still always think the betting favorite should be yes, because so many deals don't come to fruition. Um, but I, I do think, you know, they poked around on it and I think it'd be really hard to bring him back um, just with the way last season ended, but Tim Connolly is a new regime. So like the fact that I would have went from, I don't think D'Angelo Russell is back to now it's like a new president of basketball operations. So it's maybe a little bit more towards 50, 50, haven't gotten a real good read on how Connolly feels about Russell, but you know, like the, the rumors have persisted about him being moved. So I'm, I think that, that probably would be their ultimate goal, but I, I also don't think that they would just do it for a major loss. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it is the thing that shaped probably their entire off season um, is what they do with D'Angelo Russell. And if you need to fill a hole there, or what, what do you get back? Uh, how do those pieces that you get back, maybe fill needs that you have? Uh, I, I would say, I guess I'll go 60% chance that he gets moved, uh, even though I said it's not as likely. But maybe 60 that he's not here and 40 that he is. It's weird because I feel like in it's like when you think about it, the window for trading D'Lo like should be longer because he's an expiring after next season. Right. So you would think like in some ways, oh, that's like a perfect like next trade deadline like kind of guy. But at the same time, you worry like just with everything that's been happening 
like in the, in the media, honestly, and just like just he must know at this, at this point that the Wolves don't want him around, and you worry that he'd just become like an even more distressed asset. You'd get even less for him. So I certainly don't envy Connolly having to like figure this out. Um, so I think it just has the potential to end up being like a really really weird situation. Yeah, and that's never the situation you want to be dealing from. Um, I don't think it's like a, oh you have to do it. Um, because it's such a it's it's such a toxic situation. I don't think they're anywhere close to that. So a little bit of leverage there, but I definitely think their preference for some of those reasons would be to move on from him. And I just think that it's it's just kind of time that Anthony Edwards gets even more usage, Jay yeah. McDaniels gets more usage, and that just comes by getting rid of a higher usage player um, like D'Angelo Russell. That just is is an obvious casualty, I think, in getting those guys the ball more. Okay, well, yeah, you just answered my next question. My next question was, with Edwards improving, does a point guard like D'Lo become unnecessary? All right, next question. Um, <laughs> no, but like but back to the D'Lo thing, because I, I, it's an interesting thing. So so two thoughts. One is not a question, just kind of a, a statement. Like do you, when, you, when you look through the like go NBA trade machine, right? And it's similar like the, like Russell Westbrook. Like, oh my God, Kyrie Irving's going to get moved. And it's like, he go to the Lakers. And it's like, well, okay, what team out there would, can actually absorb his contract and blah, blah, blah. And it's like the only team is really OKC. And it's like, well, how long does OKC want to be in like pick purgatory? Um, forever. Apparently forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah. So 2044. Um, Sam Presti just nailing down job security. Uh, but but it's kind of the same thing for D'Lo. Like, obviously, I think like it's an expiring asset. But if you look at the East and the West, there's not very many teams that are just going to like bow themselves out of the playoff hunt already. And I'm not saying if you have D'Lo, like you're doing that, but like, if you're the Timberwolves and you're trading D'Lo, you're not doing it to get picks or to get like young talent. You're getting, you're, you're doing it to get better talent and upgrades. So you like, you have to find that like disgruntled veteran or player that a team wants to trade. And there's just like not very many places out there where it's like, Oh yeah, that's an obvious fit for a team that wants a high usage point guard. That's wildly inconsistent. And like at times last year, late down the stretch, like didn't seem like he cared. Um, that's the statement. The, the, the next part, did, did you, and I don't like, you don't have to like say anything that I, I don't want to get you in trouble, but like late down the, the, the stretch last year, were there rumblings of like D'Lo and, and the team? Cause it just seemed like there was such a huge disconnect from where D'Lo was and everybody else. Like it seemed like everybody else was having fun and D'Lo was, was not part of that fun or did not want to be, or maybe they didn't want him to be. I don't know. It just felt so weird. Like being at games, you could like feel the energy of, um, like it reminded me of like when LeBron James would try to distance himself from the Lakers all of last year, like running by himself. It just, I don't know. It just, I, in the arena, it just felt like just awkward. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was like, it wasn't like, I don't think a big wedge in between team and player, but that is kind of who D'Lo is sometimes. Um, just kind of is a little bit distant. We even saw in games last year, where he wasn't playing well. He'd go and sit by like us yeah. at the media table and, and he wouldn't even go to the team huddle for timeouts. And sometimes he'd get asked about that and he'd be like, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, and it's just an easy post game answer to give that. But it definitely was a little bit of that sometimes where you're like, well, this isn't leadership at all. And frankly, it looks like you just, either don't care or just like so into like, I'm not playing well, so I'm not going to enjoy anything else or be as locked in. But, you know, he might counter and say, well, I am really locked in as I'm sitting over there, you know, um, and I just need to figure things out in my own head. Um, and and that's true for some people for sure, but it definitely was a little bit of a different vibe from him uh, versus everybody else. And yeah, it, it often came when he wasn't playing well um, and which was a better, the majority of post all-star break, I would say um, was that, being the case so yeah it was a little bit different at times i can't lie about that um and maybe it was just that he was playing poorly maybe i was weighing on him uh yeah. 
But yeah, it was, it definitely was like the beginning of the year. It was like, okay, D'Angelo Russell eligible for a contract extension now this offseason. So the beginning of last year, it felt like you got the best version of D'Angelo Russell, giving it his all on both mm-hmm. ends of the court. Um, and then it, it just kind of died off. Um, and slowly but surely, we got there and he got to the player at the end of the season and the postseason where he was the guy that all his detractors said he was. Um, so now, which is the real one? Now it's, I guess, up to Connolly and Co. to figure out. Yeah, I mean, do you think that there are teams out there who saw, like, beginning of last season deal? Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I wonder, like, are Wolves fans just because of how much, like, D'Lo hurt us, you know, like, uniquely kind of down on him? Because I think there are still probably, like, there are still D'Lo fans out there. Like, just go on Twitter. I mean, so I just, I wonder, like. You're irrational fans, too, by the way. Don't yeah, try to oh, argue. Oh, 100%. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying that that's necessarily the reflection of anybody who works in the NBA, but I'm just wondering, like, are there teams out there who see the beginning of last season D'Lo and are like, this is a guy we can work with? Or are Wolves fans right to think that it will be really, really hard to move him? Um, I think it's a little bit of in-between. I certainly think that, you know, there are probably some people in the NBA who watched that playing game and saw, like, okay, this is the guy at his best, and he can bring that to the court at any given night, and there's value to that, and there is. Um, and I also think it's not necessarily really hard to move a guy because he only has one year left. Um, it yeah, can be true. something for Minnesota where you're taking back a guy who's making $18 million and a guy who's making $13 million. and maybe one of those two guys has a second year left on their deal that the team doesn't want. And so basically what the Wolves are getting is – they're taking back two other players and they might not be, you know, all-star caliber players, but they're two useful players. And that other team is now clearing salary off their books for after this upcoming off season, um, where the wolves will have to take on another year of salary. And those are the kind of push and pull you get on a trade where you might look and say, Oh, the wolves won that trade. But then a year from now, when the other team's books yeah. are clear, they're saying, I think we won that trade. Um, and we can work with D'Angelo Russell for this one year. No problem. Uh, I've looked at teams like Detroit and whatnot, where you think maybe that could be the case. Now, I don't know if that actually plays out like that, but there are plenty of teams in those situations where they have two guys who line up to about D'Lo salary, where you could see why they would want to get off the books for those guys um, for somebody for one year deal. So it can often be something like that where you win in one way and you lose in another, uh, but that's kind of the way NBA trades work. Speaking of trades and winners and losers, um, we just got to watch Andrew Wiggins in the finals. Um, probably second best player on the Warriors. Um, and I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh yeah, we knew at the time that like Andrew Wiggins was going to be this. Cause we didn't, um, at all. I, I think like e- even this year with the Warriors, he was up and down. Like after the yeah, all-star, sure. after, after the all-star game, he was really bad for like a month. And it was like really, yeah, like really bad. Really yeah, bad. It's like, he was shooting like 30% from the free throw line. It's like, yeah. I've seen this movie before. Um, and then obviously in the finals, you see the best version of Wiggins. Um, you know, but, but I will say, uh, for a, a franchise that was, I, I think at the time, probably like, you know what, like y- it's hard to really deep dive into it because at the time you needed to get rid of Wiggins because it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rosas made it so clear that he was willing to do anything that it took to get D'Angelo Russell. And it wasn't a secret, which was, you know, just an absolute detriment to his leverage power because he ended up having to get rid of Wiggins for Russell. And I think Wiggins was considered an, uh, you know, untradeable asset and you, you end up, you know, tying, uh, the seventh overall pick and that that's Kaminga. And, um, did Kaminga look as good as Warriors fans will make you think this year? No. Um, but like he, he, there's high upside there. Um, and now suddenly Wiggins looks like he's in line for like another max contract, which seems absolutely crazy if you would have told me that two years ago right um i don't know but and and we don't you don't know if i can answer this but we can just kind of talk about it but like 
how, how how do we look at that trade now? Like, cause it feels like in 10 years, that could look just like really, really bad, especially if Kaminga turns out to be a really good player. And like the Wolves, like, hey, what did the what did the Wolves end up getting for Wiggins and Kaminga? And it's like, oh, Clint Capella and Danilo Gallinari. It's like, oh, puke. Like, I mean, I don't, I, it's not even hard to answer that. I, I think people probably know my feelings on it. Like, the Wolves absolutely lost that trade. I mean, there's, there's no other way to look at it now. Um, and like you said, it was, it wasn't that getting rid of Andrew Wiggins was the bad move in that it was, operating from such a point of desperation when you didn't have to do that, um, when you didn't have to be so publicly desperate to get rid of a player. And so publicly, like we want this player and only this player, we're only going yeah. to shop Andrew Wiggins for one dude. Um, yeah. And that's it. And we will do anything to get him. So we're going to trade you a lightly protected first round pick, very lightly protected. Uh, but we're going to take on your salary. So we go into the luxury decks and you get out of it. And um, we're going to do all these things to make this trade between two players who looked frankly kind of lateral at the time. Yeah. Um, it's especially in terms of like winning in a big way, like neither one looked like a winning in a big way kind of guy. Now, Andrew Wiggins certainly did that this playoffs. And that doesn't surprise me too much just because we saw Andrew Wiggins when he was super motivated in certain opponents all the time. Right. Like we, we always saw that we'd be like, Oh, here it comes. It's, it, it's Cleveland. It's Toronto. Like he's going to play very well. So why wouldn't it be like that when he's motivated throughout an entire postseason? Um, frankly, I thought he was pretty decent when the Wolves played against Houston. Like they got pretty bludgeoned in that series, but Andrew Wiggins might have been their best player in it. Um, he looked the most comfortable in that environment. Um, and for the entire yeah. playoffs here, he really was their second best player. Um, I'm not saying he is on their roster because he's not a great regular season player, but man, he's useful when it actually matters. And that's all the Warriors care about. Um, Minnesota their player they got out of that deal was not good in the playoffs. And now you question because the Brooklyn series, when he was in the playoffs, he was not good there either. So is he a good playoff player? I don't know. The evidence suggests not. So what is the value there? Like everybody says that's what got things started in the right direction. I would very much argue that what got things started in the right direction came nine months later when they drafted Anthony Edwards. And then when they got Chris Finch, and then that's kind of what got the wheels turning and moving in the right direction versus a trade in which they went like three and 15 or something. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, and like the, the I think what and I, I talked to uh, Andy from uh, Punch Drunk Wolves, and obviously um, he's not always super optimistic. But for me, it, like I I totally agree, and I, I want to talk more like draft stuff after this. I don't want to like get super yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. negative yeah. and depressing. But like for me, it wasn't necessary because what was it? It was a top three protected pick. Yep, yep. And then it was unprotected the year after. Um, yeah. Is that right? So for me, it I wasn't. Think so. For, 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 yeah, for me, it wasn't like the, okay, you lost. And right now, they still would have lost the Wiggins for Russell trade. Like, like Wiggins was just the second best player in the finals. Like, there's no arguing that. But it, was, it wasn't, and it wasn't even the fact that if Kaminga becomes good or not, it's the fact that you were willing to give up the number four pick or you were willing to give up an unprotected pick the next year if, that, if, if you would have ended up in the top three. Um, it, it's just like that. It's kind of what you were saying. It was like he would do like Rosas was willing to do anything to make sure he got Russell. And it's like, suddenly you tie in that pick and you're like, wait, do we need to do, do we need to give them a totally unprotected pick in 2023? If it would have came to that, like that seems crazy. Um, obviously it worked out fine. Um, you know, and I, but yeah, it's just, it's for, it was just the logic behind there, it. There's, there was very definitely people in the Timberwolves front office who thought that the process and many of the things they were doing with Gerson Rosas, the result is what it is. That's what's going to be whenever, but the process was consistently bad. Um, and, and that was probably one of those where it really reared its head and delivered a bad result with a bad process. I, I agree. All right. Um, well, uh, 
new GM uh, or president of basketball operations, rather. Um, so we don't have to reflect on that. But um, so Conley's here. Um, he he brings in um, a, a few new people. Um, I I guess my question, like being at those press conferences and because um, you and I have been at, you know, I guess probably like eight or nine together when, when, when throughout our years and Julian and I, you know, a few as well. Um, is there anything like that was less BSE about Conley being there? Correct. Cause every, every one of those press conferences and there's really nothing they can say that's going to make me feel different. No. I'm, you're always just kind of rolling your eyes, right? It's like, and the people that are reading the story in the newspaper and online of like, Oh, Conley hopes to bring change to Minnesota. It's like, you could literally just like sub out people's names <laughs> from those stories. Like every three years, the wolves get a new person in charge. Yeah, yep, yep. And it's like kind of the same story. Um, but was there anything that may, maybe like stuck out to you or like, oh, that's actually interesting or that's different or it's kind of like, well, we'll see when, when, when the results come in. Uh, nothing that he said. I think it was more the fact of like literally like the way he was sitting. Uh, it was just like more slouched over and whatnot. And it wasn't it was basically like, I don't really want to be up here that badly, which is <laughs> kind of refreshing uh, because generally the guys who really want to be up there um, and are a little too like polished off and that's where it gets really bs and you wonder if there's even substance to them or if they were just able to, you know, in a 10, 15 minute interview, fool the people that they're sitting across from. Uh, I don't think Tim Connolly's that person I'm talking with him just a couple of times now. Um, I, he seems like there's more substance actually there. Um, and we'll see like that. It's everybody can get fooled, but it, it the whole thing, he feels less bs I guess, than other people who have sat in that chair before. So maybe that's, I guess, my only real takeaway so far and everything else as far as like what we got out of answers and whatnot, I, I hardly gained a thing to be honest. Um, and I, it, I don't put too much stock in anything that's ever said in those, as you mentioned too. Um, final question before we get out of here, do you have a prediction for, for who the wolves are going to take? I saw your tweet today. Um, I did, I'm not a tie tie Washington fan. I, I just tweeted that. I was just watching guys. I tweeted um, just actually, one thing you like. He plays off the catch, um, which is amazing because no one on the Timberwolves <laughs> except Torian Prince can play off the catch on the perimeter. Uh, but I, well, I guess I don't know who they will take. I think if like Atari Easton's there, they probably would take him. I like somebody else at the power forward spot. I really, really like EJ Liddell. Um, and I know a lot of people are down on him and don't think Ohio he's State. A player with, yeah, maybe a player with great upside, but I think he's a really good fit next to Towns. Uh, six, almost six, eight, like just short of six, eight. 240 some pounds so the real advantage there is chris finch has lamented that he's heavier than every player on his roster and i think ej liddell comes in over him so that would solve that conundrum uh and just add a little bit like you watch ej liddell's comfortable banging in the post i don't think he'd have any problem being saying like oh okay i'll guard this other team big big yeah. tonight um but he's also capable of playing on the perimeter not like elite out there uh but certainly very capable of it more offensively skilled than jared vanderbilt so frankly if he just played the dunker spot that's probably six more points uh yeah i really like that for a fit who could slide in right now and help um and i think that's maybe where minnesota's at i don't think they need to shoot for like the moon on picks right now because you have mcdaniels you have anthony yeah. Edwards. like those are your lottery ticket upside already proven but could go way way higher um i think that's where you maybe ascend like a championship level and just try to get guys who can play well around them and help them out right now I'm sold. So there we and, go. That's yeah, and it. What? Get Jason in a room with Connolly. He they, appreciates every appearance. Tomorrow. I'm heard. sure. Yeah. I'll go in tomorrow <laughs> and I'll say, hey, I would take EJ Liddell and say, okay, there we go. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great opinion. Um, the Wolves have the the uh, 19th pick and then they have two second round picks. Um, so as we know, pretty unlikely they keep all three picks. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, 
draft on Thursday. Follow Jace, read his stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Um, you're creeping up on followers, man. You got a lot of followers. The playoffs added a few more. It's very much stalled out since then because once the playoffs are done, I just tweet about golf. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing is um, a lot of golf in the news, though. Which that's is, right. Which that's is true. unusual. And yeah. yet still only so many people care about it. I've definitely yeah. realized that. Yeah. But also it's like it's it's a hard time um, because if you have like a opinion on something like that, it you're almost going to lose followers. If you, true, like, true. Twitter's so sensitive. If you say the wrong, I think I tweeted something about the Timberwolves, um, and I like I had lost like a hundred followers. Oh, it was the refs. You suck. I hate that chant. I hate yeah, it so, so do much. I. We talked and about I, this. I hate too. it too. I lost yeah. like a hundred followers, and I'm like, yeah. you guys are so sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I definitely he's got a ref. Before, right? yeah, just, just do not care. I mean, like if if you don't agree with me, that's fine. I'm not going to agree with everything you tweet. I don't right. think you have to like get mad at somebody if they tweet something you don't like. I just don't. Yeah. So a lot of, if you're somebody who gets consistently mad, then I'd probably just end up muting you and I don't see what you say anyway. So I have a few people muted. But then yeah, every once in a while I like yeah. to unmute them just to see are you saying anything to me? There's um, somebody that it's like, what is this com what is this reply that I can't see? Oh yeah, it's oh, like okay. I kind of want to see. It's like, oh, yeah. that's why I muted them. Okay. Yeah, All right, right. right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, have a good week. I know it's gonna be busy, but uh we'll look forward to reading your stuff on on Friday. Um and yeah, it should should be a fun night on Thursday. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me.